Hi there and welcome to Healing Her Story. I'm very happy to be spending this time with you and I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'm Michelle Robertson and I'm your podcast host. We need to have a conversation about the men in our lives. It's something that isn't really discussed very much from what I've been able to tell and certainly not in any of the circles that I run in. And when I talk about the men in our lives, what I mean is those who have harmed us. Being an adult survivor of childhood sexual abuse is a complex tangle of emotions. What we learned as children was that, at worst, love is equated with abuse, and at best, love coexists with abuse. We need to talk about what that abuse looked like, and we need to dispel the myth that abuse is always violent. It is always a violation, but abuse can look gentle, it can look caring, and it can look a lot like love especially to a child. And that's what's so confusing and why so many women forge adult relationships that involve abuse. Yes, there are many, many children who are neglected, abandoned and beaten. It's a sad reality of the life we live um, and the world that we live in. There are children who endure horrific circumstances and dreadful violence But there are many, many, many others who, as I spoke about last time, are ordinary. They live seemingly ordinary lives, except for the fact that daddy or granddad or big brother or Uncle Fred is coming into their room at night to play. What do you do when you love your abuser? As a child, it's impossible to process what's happening. My abuse began before the age of three. I hadn't really known anything different. I knew it was a secret. I knew something was not right and that my mom would be really angry with me if she knew. She was often disapproving of me. I knew that I was bad, that there was something wrong with me. But I didn't connect it to my great uncle and our games. I loved him. Oh, how I loved him. He was larger than life, a big bear of a man, and he made me laugh. He made me feel as though I was the most special being on the planet and that the world revolved around me. I can picture him still, all these years later, sitting on the sofa in my grandmother's living room, the window behind him, me perched on his knee as I sang to him. Singing was my thing. It was a thing that made me special, at least in my child mind. I guess that identity carried over because years later, after I'd gone through a hysterectomy and hormonal problems, my voice broke like a teenage boy's and I was devastated to find that I had lost a sense of myself again. But that's a story for another day. Singing was my thing. And I used to sit on his knee and I used to sing to him. As an adult, processing the reality 
What do we do with those feelings of love? He doted on me and I on him. Now, years later, I'm able to see the two of us through the eyes of the family and understand why they called it a beautiful bond. I felt it was a beautiful bond at the time. What do we do with those feelings of love? How do we cleave the love from the abuse when it's all an impossible tangle? These are the things that no one talks about in public. The double-edged sword of childhood abuse. This is one of the reasons why speaking out is so fucking hard. The men who harm us are also ordinary. There are sons and fathers and uncles and husbands and cousins and brothers. They are the men that we love. Often, they are not creepy people who behave lecherously and are overtly inappropriate. Of course, there are many like that too. As a preteen and teenager, I encountered my fair share of these. Haven't we all? There was a family friend who would stick his tongue in my mouth whenever I was unable to avoid kissing him and greeting, a really stupid thing that family members insisted on in the 60s and 70s. And there have been a number of others over the years, including bosses, colleagues, and even the husbands of women I knew. These are the men we learn to avoid. We dodge the greetings by hiding out in the bathroom, or make sure that we don't pass too closely to their chairs for fear of a surreptitious hand reaching out to squeeze or pinch or grope. But it's the ordinary ones, those who are a part of the fabric of our lives, that don't stand out in any particular way, that no one suspects, who are causing the real damage. These beloved, trusted pillars of our lives are the real monsters. And yes, oftentimes we love them. When that first violation of trust occurred, I was far too young to understand only a baby at almost three. I had no sense that there was something wrong. I believed that I was special and that this was love. It was formative to me, a part of how I evolved my identity. It fractured me in a way that was very, very tangible. In adulthood, I was diagnosed by three different mental health professionals with dissociative identity disorder. I may or may not talk more about this in the future, but it took a complete breakdown and many, many years in therapy to get to where I am now. Sitting here, talking to you. Love isn't something that stops overnight. Love is an emotional connection, and it's complex. I'm speaking here from my personal perspective of childhood sexual abuse, but there are many women in abusive relationships who love their partners. It's too easy for people to negate those feelings as attachment issues. That's far too glib. It is possible to love someone and at the same time understand that they aren't a safe or healthy person to be around. When dealing with abusive situations, love can be a coping mechanism too. We detach from the pain and the harm by subconsciously looking at things from the abuser's perspective. In many cases, 
Gaslighting solidifies this perspective. We learn to appease the abusive person. Appeasement is a survival response, along with fight, flight, freeze. Today's colloquial term for appeasement is fawn. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Fight, flight, freeze, appease. Survival is a strong instinct, and it's just that. Instinct. The job of your nervous system is to keep you safe in whatever way it can. When we are out of the abusive situation, we don't just turn off our love. I want you to know that it's okay. It's okay to love the man who hurt you. It doesn't make you complicit. It doesn't make you responsible. It doesn't make you hypocritical or a liar. It doesn't mean you're overreacting to the abuse. It doesn't make what happened to you not so bad. It doesn't negate your experience in any way. Loving the men who hurt us is perfectly understandable. I've called this podcast Healing Her Story, a play on the word history, because we need to heal from our past. We need to heal from the collective past of all women. We need to stand together and lift one another up. We need to learn that while we may be shaped by our experiences, we needn't be defined by them. We're in the middle of our lives and we hold the pen. I do hope you'll join me as I navigate my way forward. I don't have all the answers. I don't think anyone does. But I do know that if we work on healing ourselves and we raise our voices, we can heal the world. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review it. Thanks for listening.